Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube Live Chat Poll of the Day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's a- All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. Good to be with you. I got to take a little vacation with my family. It was a bit of a Christmas gift for my kids, and we got to cash in on that this past weekend. So thank you for uh, giving me that time to spend with my family. But I'm very excited to be back talking to you about a busy news day in politics. The New Hampshire primary is taking place tonight, and there's a lot that could be determined Quickly after this primary is over this evening, maybe the status quo remains beyond this this result of voting that we're going to be able to see from the second uh, installment of the primary process. But I don't know. And I'm excited to talk about it today. I I also know that the news that Ron DeSantis has dropped out isn't brand new information to you. Uh, I was uh, enjoying lovely time off with my family in the state of Florida. When I got the news that Ron DeSantis had dropped out, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today as well, just to get you my thoughts on it and to to get your reaction as well. But I think that there's something that needs to be talked about even more so than the the specifics of just this day in the timeline of our March to November. We have 287 days left until the election actually takes place. And my question is, has been repeatedly leading up to this point, if Donald, is, is it possible that Donald Trump can actually win the general election? And on the whole, the majority of you, when asked that question, usually on our YouTube live chat poll, have said, yes, he can win. But it's not a resounding yes. It's not a convincing yes. Most of the time when we have that conversation, 
there's just a portion, there's a percentage of people who would maybe, let's just say, be in play for candidate B other than Joe Biden. We know what the status quo is. We know what we're going to get from Joe Biden for more years, so much so that he's not out there campaigning even to try to convince you otherwise in any way, shape or form. We know what we're going to get from the current president should he get four more years. And in fact, I would say based on polling that refers to the favorability of Joe Biden, the thought about Joe Biden's acuity, his ability to perform the job, his ability to understand and comprehend the tasks that are in front of him, those poll numbers for Joe Biden are not great. So at best, if you're somebody who is of liberal mind, you're thinking you're going to get four more years of what we've had. But I think everybody is paying attention close enough to understand we might not get that. We're going to get a deterioration of that. And then the question is, who pulls the strings in the background for Joe Biden while he continues to be the face of the administration? The question at hand is who, who, which candidate B can beat Joe Biden? And of course, in a primary, that's what we're deciding on a state-by-state basis. Who do we want to choose to go up against Joe Biden, the incumbent president of the United States from the Democrat Party. And in Iowa, 50 percent of the people plus said Donald Trump. What did he get, like 53,000 votes? It's not a lot of people making a resounding statement, but it is a high percentage of people. It is it is a fact based poll. Yeah, it is a fact based poll uh, with a large sample size, even though that's not a lot of people in Iowa. But that's a large sample size that that gives you an idea of where people are. And what's interesting is, is he won every county except for one. And the one apparently he only lost by one vote. And was, that, was, that was the county that Democrats were swapping over to yeah. Republicans and they ran out of the mm-hmm. little swap uh, papers. So they had to print more. Yeah. If they'd have had more readily available, maybe he would have lost by like 10 votes. Ten, yeah. <laughs> I. I don't know that Iowa is a reflection of the entire country. I think Iowa is a reflection of a region. I think that you could put a lot of states in the Iowa category, but I don't think that Iowa is a reflection of what's going on in California or New York. I don't think Iowa is a reflection of what's going on in Oregon. I also don't think that Iowa is necessarily a reflection of what's going on in Texas and in Florida, which are Republican strongholds. So we have to ask ourselves, do we look at Iowa and go, yeah, that's the barometer that's moving forward that this is how it's going to be. I do think that it, it, I, I think it was it was Huckabee, Governor Huckabee, that said Iowa doesn't tell you who the president is going to be. It tells you who the president is not going to be. And I think that that's where Ron DeSantis saw the tea leaves and read them correctly. I put this out on Twitter the night of the Iowa caucus that I really wish in the speech that Ron DeSantis gave after the Iowa caucus, I really wish he would have said, listen, I put all my chips in this pod. It didn't materialize. This is not the time for, for me to take up this responsibility because the American people are saying we're not done with Trump yet. I watch the reaction to Ron DeSantis's concession and suspension of his campaign. And I'm, I'm noticing a few very interesting things, including from Donald Trump himself. That people aren't nearly as mad 
at Ron DeSantis as they pretended to be or as maybe they felt that they were when he was still in the race. And I've been trying to kind of analyze myself how the DeSantis campaign failed to launch the way I had hoped that it would launch. And I'll I'll tell you this, and you could probably go back and bore yourself and listen to me talking about Ron DeSantis in June of 2020, because that was when I first started paying close attention to him. June of 2020 was when I escaped with my family to Florida to go visit uh, my brother-in-law and their family that lived um, on the coast because Ron DeSantis said, we're opening Florida again and we're going to allow people to make their own decisions. Threw the family in the car, drove to Florida. We made the plans the same week that we left. And when Ron DeSantis was going so against the grain at that time, he really got my attention. And I realized him being as young as he is at the time in his early 40s that this this guy, if he keeps this up, he's going to have an incredibly bright political future, which I don't really care about. I don't care about Ron DeSantis's political future. I care about the future of the country. I care about the idea that what America is, is protected. I care about the idea that there are people that continue to exist in new generations that want to protect the same thing that was fortified when the Declaration of Independence was signed and the Constitution was formulated and signed. I care that we still have new people coming onto the scene who can fight for the same type of freedom, basic ideas that we formed this country over centuries ago. And Ron DeSantis was, for me, the first real convincing that I had that there was somebody who was in my generation, I don't know if he would be considered a millennial. I think he'd be right on the border. Is he born late 70s? Yeah, he'd still technically be Gen X, but, but like he's close. close to us. Yeah. He was somebody who showed me that the idea of freedom and liberty and small government that still exists, and it's not an old man idea. It's not something that old guys in powdered wigs and clothes that nobody wears anymore. It's not just like, it's not just this ancient concept that exists that is unattainable to us. It's real and it's alive. It's living and it's being carried on with great measurable evidentiary success in 2020, at least in Florida. Because what a contrast that was to the home state that I live in and the tyrant J.B. Pritzker and the way he controlled the people of the state. The stark contrast was impressed upon me and it was very meaningful to me. I understand that that's not everybody's experience with Ron DeSantis. I know that we have a ton of people living or listening to this station right now who live in Missouri and your understanding of freedom and liberty is just, uh, let me say, more refined than the voters seem on, on the whole in Illinois to perpetuate each election cycle. I know what I don't have because I see other people who have it and it seems attainable. And I question why in this state of Illinois don't we have 
this type of conviction to protecting and maintaining our freedoms. And the truth is, is on the whole, this country is in the same position. Why do we as a country not understand the idea and, and, and the, the fragility of the freedoms that only exist if we the people protect them? Because we don't get them from the government. They are ours by nature of our existence. And it's exciting to me to know that there are future generations, which include mine, that want to fight for it and have proven that it is the preferable way of existing, especially in this country. So when Ron DeSantis dropped out, I, I got to say, I wasn't even sad. As somebody who has been a supporter of Ron DeSantis's, but from years before he announced his candidacy for the presidency, I wasn't really sad because what he did was the right thing. Dropping out was the right thing. And going back to my question about how did Ron DeSantis's campaign have such a failure to launch? You have to take yourself back to when he launched his campaign. You have to remember the temperature, the climate that existed when Ron DeSantis said, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. And when you start to think about what the, the political landscape looked like then, when Ron DeSantis decided to step into the race, we needed a Ron DeSantis to step in the race. Well, I would say a couple of things about it. One is there's a lot of talk now about he did this wrong and that wrong in the campaign and didn't get off to a good start in the media strategy. I think all of that had very little to do with the outcome. I think the outcome came down to one thing, and that is that there is a reservoir of voters in the Republican Party who were going to vote for Donald Trump if they had the chance. Uh, it was obscured by polling for about a year ago that suggested that he could be beaten and that Ron DeSantis could beat him. But once, once he got indicted... Uh, on a sketchy indictment in New York, the sentiment for him woke up. And I think, I don't think that either he or really any, DeSantis or any other candidate ever really had a chance against that. These Republicans want this man and they're voting for him. And Ron DeSantis acknowledged that, rightfully so, because Ron DeSantis voters are Trump voters. And I think we're going to see that tonight in the results of the New Hampshire primary. Ron DeSantis got in the race when the situation was very different. The circumstances were drastically different than they were after court case after court case after court case and blue city after blue city after blue city decided to pile on top of the collusion assertions of the impeachment allegations and processes of all of the attacks and the lies that have surrounded Donald Trump really from day one. They materialize in the lawfare that is taking place against Trump today. I don't think that Donald Trump is 100 percent innocent in every single instance of all of the court cases that he's facing right now. I think that there I think that there are things that he should have done better, but I cannot be convinced in a single one of these cases that if Donald Trump were replaced with Bill Clinton, with Barack Obama, with Joe Biden, that that name and that political party would protect them from the lawfare that is being imposed upon Donald Trump right now. And that is what America has seen. And that is why America said, no, Ron DeSantis, it's not your time. 
We're behind Trump. So now we need Donald Trump to win. I don't know what Nikki Haley is going to do tonight. If she pulls out a victory, I think that that changes the narrative a little bit. But short of winning tonight, she should drop out. She won't. But I think that it's pretty amazing that in the short span of a couple of weeks here, we've seen the Republican Party come together in a way that is absolutely necessary. Should Donald Trump face off against Joe Biden or any other Democratic uh, candidate that might replace Joe Biden on that ticket, if that's even still a possibility? We've seen the Republican Party come together. There are a few stragglers out there who still at this point want to talk about Ron DeSantis's loyalty. Those folks are not going to be the ones who decide the election. Understanding that Ron DeSantis stepped down and endorsed Trump shows that this party can be united. Showing that Nikki Haley's support is coming largely from people who are moderates to on the left, vote active voting Democrats gives us two opponents to unite behind. Joe Biden and the people who constantly want to make the Republican Party the light version of what the Democrats do in the swamp every day. And Donald Trump's the guy who's going to have to do it. And the one thing, going back to the very beginning of what I said about Donald Trump, knowing what he's been up against this entire time, is Donald Trump capable of doing what he needs to do to win. Because Donald Trump of 2016 and Donald Trump of 2020, neither one of those two gentlemen can win this race. We need the refined version of Donald Trump 2024, the one who has learned from where he has been and has used it to make himself the very best candidate for American voters to consider as the absolute candidate B alternative to four more years of Joe Biden or whatever comes with him. The YouTube live chat poll for today. Has Donald Trump become a better campaigner? I want to know from you what you think. Yes or no. If you go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel right there, you can vote and tell us what you think. If you've seen things, I've seen things that make me go raise an eyebrow. I'm not putting my chips in the middle of the table quite yet because I need consistency. I need him to string together a few of these opportunities. I'm wondering if you think that he's done that. Go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel and vote. The great Harris Faulkner on The Annie Fry Show in just a minute. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, all right, all right. If you want four more years of Donald Trump, let me hear you scream. <laughs> Senator Tim Scott from being on the campaign trail, if not just to hear more of things like that. As the folks who have dropped out of the primary race to be the Republican candidate uh, for the general election here coming in November have coalesced around Donald Trump, he has to face off against Nikki Haley tonight in New Hampshire. And Harris Faulkner joins us now to talk to us about her experience being on the ground in New Hampshire, talking to voters, talking to people at rallies. Harris, thank you so much for the time today. It's a pleasure to have you back. Absolutely, Annie. It is great to talk to you. So first of all, I want to say I was at that rally. I went to both of the rallies for Trump and and Haley last night because I thought it was the most important night. Um, I didn't get out of the Trump rally until after 11 p.m. So I was rallying from her started at six until after 11 and they began voting at midnight in New Hampshire. So those were important occasions. Those were the last times that voters would hear from them personally. They were both generous with their time. Uh, I've never, ever seen a situation, though, where you saw at the Trump rally, the former competitors fresh off exiting the race, with the exception of DeSantis. He was not there. And the president's already said it may take a little time for him to heal. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he doesn't mince words. And so but to see Senator Tim Scott also just a couple of days after he had gotten engaged, yeah. Tim Scott. So, I mean, he was jubilant last night. Um, and it was a crowd that I would say, you know, has always kind of been there for Trump. I mean, their merch was on fire. <laughs> oh, my, merch. oh, my gosh. I mean, there were sequin Trump jackets, that sort of thing. So these are diehard Trump supporters. And what a place to be as a candidate in a room like that. Um, Nikki Haley had far more many people than I had heard were showing up to her events. I mean, there were an estimate between seven and eight hundred people at that event, um, which is a lot for, you know, Mm -hmm. a random night, primary eve in a state that Trump is still far ahead in the polls. So it was it was really interesting how young her crowd was. That was the first thing that jumped out at me. And, you know, I'm covering all of it. So I want everybody to know everything. And so Governor Sununu endorsed her early. He was out there. He was on my show today. He was a little obnoxious, but whatever. <laughs> I watched um, it. He was. He was like <laughs> name calling. And, and, you know, after a while, I just let people show you who they are. Sure. By the way, the bottom line is if she loses, he's voting for Trump. <laughs> That's the takeaway here. I I, I, yeah. thought, I thought that interview with him was so, I, I don't know, I like watching people who are advocating also talk to people who interview because I interview. So I kind of understand the, it's like a dance. You ebb and you flow. You try to set people up to give an opportunity. To, and and he had, he was talking the entire time you were talking. And at the end, it just kind of went off the rails. And I did, I thought the exact same thing you, you uh, articulated there. He had something to say and he showed me who he was. And right. Sununu, I, I, I'm thinking back, I told my producers this a, a few months ago, like we need a map of where, who is where on the Trump timeline. 
does Trump hate this person or does Trump like this person right now? My understanding is that Sununu has a major beef with Donald Trump. And I'm always looking a little bit at the how does Nikki Haley that's help the country? That's why I said you should debate Donald Trump. Yeah. Because this wasn't even, after a while, he wasn't even talking about his candidate anymore. Right. It seemed personal. Does it seem personal? Did it seem personal to you? It felt personal, and I told him that. I yeah. said, you know, you're getting snarky. You're, you're name-calling. I don't do the name-calling here. And he goes, well, what about Trump? And I'm thinking, is he trying to be Trump? Yeah. Because has he not heard Trump's positive message on the stump here in New Hampshire? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just, show him who you are, dude. Just yeah. show him who you are. And it was clear when I said, oh, you should debate Trump, what he was really after. And I get that. But let me tell you something. I would never say that this started out with anything that Trump did to him, because when the conversation began a few years ago about fentanyl deaths on the border and the president put in some of those policies that slowed the that stemmed the tide of the drug cartels working that border, he was addressing that problem. They came to this state first for Governor Sununu because he was so loud about how bad fentanyl was on behalf of families that were really suffering. Now, Kellyanne Conway told me this story. She was on the ground for that. So I don't know where it's coming from, but he had the president's support. And, and that's fine. He can back whoever he wants. But he wasn't representing Nikki Haley well by being obnoxious. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if somebody wants, if, if, if Annie comes here, she's like, Harris, I, I need for you to speak on my behalf. When I'm done, people are going to want to buy you flowers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know like, if that's happening. I know what a friend looks like. Sure. I, I don't know. Okay. I, but it's going to be interesting because a lot, I have a feeling based on, it's not even a feeling. There was one small town that had a thousand votes already by 8 a.m. Yeah. in a town that usually gets 1,500 in a 24-hour period. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, they start at midnight. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna, that, that's a lot. So you're going to have a lot of people, and the weather's good today. You know, for them, it's not snowing. The sun's not out, but it's warmer today. And uh, and I think you'll have a lot of people, and that's what our republic is built for. Yeah, amen. Go to that. out, exercise your right. We're speaking with anchor and host of the Faulkner Focus and outnumbered on Fox News. I don't miss an episode. Harris Faulkner with us right now. I, 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 it's a great it's great prep for my show here because we start at noon central. So it's right after uh, you guys get done with your two back to back hours, of course. I, I'm listening to you talking about how Governor Sununu, how the arc of that conversation ended on Trump. The arc of every conversation right now ends on Trump, which to me, it does. I was a big supporter of Ron DeSantis, not in a p- opposition to Donald Trump, but I just liked Ron DeSantis. He was my preference. That's who you like. Yes. And I'm happy to vote for Donald Trump uh, if he cho- if he becomes the nominee. But to me, it's like Trump is inevitable. And Ron DeSantis acknowledged that that you know you'd put everything in, on on the table in Iowa it didn't materialize I think DeSantis made a good move but even in the Sununu conversation it ended up being about Donald Trump how do the how in the Nikki Haley camp can they not see that that this inevitability of Donald Trump after four years of not even being the guy in the office that this is going to materialize in a way that's not going to benefit them look I, I think that there. that's why I was trying to get him to answer the question, if she doesn't win, what percentage do you have to reach for her to go past New Hampshire? And and I don't know if you picked, there was just like yeah. <laughs> terseness in his voice. He was not, uh, he was upset that I would even question that. And I said, but if she loses, and he's like, she's not going to lose. And I'm thinking, you're not a friend if you are delusional about the fact that your candidate that you have endorsed 
may lose. You may be able to help her. You know he hasn't won his entire life. No one has. We don't have perfect victory, only in the Lord. Amen. So, I mean, I, I didn't really understand that. And, and what I was thinking is maybe there's not a plan. But when he didn't know how much money she'd raised since DeSantis got out of the race, it told me everything. Yeah, there's there's an end game here. And it's it's to me, it's not Nikki Haley wins. It's Donald Trump loses. And that just has not been a winning strategy for anybody quite yet. No. And Donald Trump is, you know, he came out last night and he said, I don't want anybody to take it for granted. Yeah. He said, we are up and all of that, but that doesn't mean I don't need you to go and vote tomorrow. Mm. I mean, I, I don't think people are listening to him. And I know Democrats are listening, and which is why they have hit the panic button. I'm surprised the button even works anymore. <laughs> uh, you, you've <laughs> spoken with Dean Phillips, correct? Did you have a conversation? He was with on him? today. He yeah. was on today. And, you know, he said 10 weeks ago, I didn't have any name recognition in New Hampshire. And I'm like, well, everybody knows you now here. I said, I don't know about outside New Hampshire. He said, well, he didn't even want to contest the state. They have to write his name in. And I said, is there a chance you could win? I mean, wrap your mind about that, right. around that rather. Do you know very many independents and Democrats who would write Joe Biden's name in? It, it, it's a real commitment. It's different than checking a box. It's like an they extra They don't like step. him. Right. He's he's got polling numbers that were lower than Jimmy Carter at this point. They don't like him. So I don't know why anybody and I say the weather's nice. It's still snowy and cold, but I mean, it's not like Iowa. Right. So I can't imagine anybody not going to if they declared before October 6th to switch from Democrat to Republican. And there were some people who did not a whole lot, but some who did. That'll hurt. But most people who are Democrats are going to vote Democrat. And when they do, they're going to look at the names that are on the list. And I just don't see a whole lot of people, at least not based on Democrats I've talked to here, who are going to write that name in. First of all, fentanyl is raging. They're, they're tougher on the border issue than Iowans. And it was number one issue for Iowans who were registered voters. I mean, I think Biden's in trouble. Yeah. It, it, there's so much to come out of this race tonight, particularly because there is a Democrat contingency and a Republican contingency that yeah. Americans are going to want to be paying attention to. I know Fox News is covering it. We're going to be carrying that coverage here on 97.1. Um, the, the last question I want to ask you before I let you go, I don't want to take too much of your time. We're speaking with Harris Faulkner right now. It is a pleasure to be with you, <laughs> but your radio show is important. I don't want to rob time. No, I appreciate that. Uh, our question that we ask, we put up a poll question every day for our listeners to vote on our YouTube channel as we live stream it there as well. And it says, Donald Trump become a better campaign because, you know, I'm a suburban woman. I'm uh. 39 years old. I got four kids. I'm the one who Donald Trump is supposed to be winning over. He's going to have my vote in November should he get the nomination. But a lot of people want him to to articulate himself differently, to stop with the name calling. I'm wondering if you're seeing a different Trump 2024 than maybe 2020 and 2016. Has he learned any lessons, so to speak? I'm not saying a different Trump, except for the fact that about three weeks ago or so, he did that town hall with Martha McCallum and Brett Baer, and we saw a difference there. Yeah. And I have seen now consistently that person in that lane the same way since. And that is this. He's still going to fight. He's, he's still the tough kid in the corner, you know, who would stand up for everybody else who needed it. That's I imagine, of course, I didn't know him as a child, but that's what I imagine he was like. Um, 
But where he's different is he doesn't lead with his court cases and he doesn't lead with his, you know, upset over whether or not he won in 2020 and all of that. He's leading with how he wants to make the country great again. And why that works for him is because it is the assumption that it was great when he left and the reality that it was great when he left. So even if he's asking you to assume he'll make it better, there are millions of Americans who say, well, he can make it better because we already saw it happen. And so if he stays on that message and he focuses on helping get the black and Hispanic communities back economically, historically better than they had ever been in 50 years in this country, if he focuses on that, he hits Biden so hard because those are the very voters that Biden now has lost by more than 30 points. Yeah. 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 So there, there's some things that he can do and that he is doing. It doesn't mean he's a different person. People like they, they like that side of him that says, I'm, I'm in here for you. But now he's got to articulate how he's going to do that. He's got to talk about how he's going to attack the prices that people pay for food. Um, hit all the areas where Biden is like, oh, my gosh, that looks like stuff on my shoe. Let me go change my shoe <laughs> rather than figure out another way to keep that from happening. Right. Like, don't step in it. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm excited. I am really excited that Republican Party has put out a bunch of candidates that had a lot of ideas and the left did not do the same. And I'm excited to cover it because it means that maybe there'll be pressure put on the left to come up with somebody else. And maybe the competition for the American public's vote with fresh ideas will take the entire nation forward. But in the meantime, both sides have to stop hating the other side. Amen to that. No more deplorables. And what a joy Bay said. No more crazies. <laughs> well, the vice president just sat there like a lump on a log and let her say that. Half the nation is not this. Half the nation is not... We've got to get into a place where everybody sees everybody as an American. And I think Donald Trump can set the tone for that. I know Nikki Haley can set the tone for that. I think Republicans can set the tone for that. And that is completely oppositional to the left, no matter who they run. Yeah. Amen. Amen to all of that. Well, the author of Faith Still Moves Mountains, I encourage you to read a great uh, anecdote after anecdote of prayer and how it has intercession has really made differences in people's lives. Harris, I read, uh, went, listened to the audio book and it was, it was a very, oh, great. it was a positive interjection in my day going to and from work to listen to some of the stories that you tell of real American people who use prayer and, and been able to manifest wonderful things through it. You tell great stories both on the television and in that book and honored to have you here back. Oh, thank you. Bless you. Thank yep. you so much. It, it just warms my heart. And I know as a mom of four, we co-mothers co that we are, um, it's important that we lift each other in, in prayer and in faith and just remind each other that, you know, God's got us. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Be still and know. That's exactly right. Harris Faulkner, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Take care. Yep, Go voters. Well. That's right. Go Chiefs. I'll tell you that, too. Here in Chiefs Ooh, Kingdom. yeah, that's a story for another day. <laughs> another story. Talk to you soon, Harris Take Faulkner. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Harris Faulkner, uh, he, she is the anchor and host of the Faulkner Focus and Outnumbered on Fox News with us here on The Annie Fry Show. Great to speak with her, and we're going to talk with Ryan Wiggins in studio when we come back. Wiggins America, we're going to talk to him. What, what was his topic again? He sent it. Are you addicted to your social media? Social media? Yeah. All right. We'll find out with Wiggins America in studio with us here on The Annie Fry Show. 
when we come back. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. He said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. Uh, Donald Trump at a he was kind of walking by a group of supporters and press folks. And that question was posed to him. And he said that he was getting rid of the name. It's retired. Now, it's not because Donald Trump has like seen the light and wanted to become a, a new man. It's because he beat Ron DeSantis and he is no longer in the race. However, let me ask you this question. And we're doing so in the Andy Fry YouTube live chat poll. Has Donald Trump become a better campaigner? Let us know what you think. Yes or no. Leave some comments if you want to react to why you think yes or no. Steve said someone has definitely finally reached him. He's much more personable and gracious. Still a few Trumpian quotes here and there, though. So if you agree with Steve or if you disagree with Steve, go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel and let us know what you think. Let's get to Ryan. Wiggins. Oh, Wiggins. Hey, the whole gang's back together. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Good enough, anyway. I, I'll caffeine through today. Okay. Got to get a little more sleep tonight. I got to catch up. Um, so the topic that I brought today is is a little bit more social, of course. Not entirely social media, but a little bit more about your phone. Question for the room, and Leah's in here too. Hi, Leah. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, do you have a tough time putting it down? Are you very disciplined with your phone, or... Or do you find yourself in places where you know maybe I shouldn't be using it right now? You still use it. Um, no, I think that if you're if you're in a position to, I I have gotten much better at it. The only thing I don't I don't put my ta- my phone on the table when I'm at business meetings or at a dinner or something with somebody. It's not enough to put the phone face down. Put it away. Maybe on in your pocket or something. So if it vibrates or whatever, it's key to have vibrations. You can set vibrations on your phone that go different ways, so you can oh, know, I didn't where know that. Oh yeah. Well, oh, maybe not man. on your iPhone. Hold on. Yeah, you might care. No. I was gonna say she's got a Samsung. You've got an iPhone, and I haven't dug into the new iPhone iOS yet to see if that. You is can't do that on iPhone. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Dang, that seems like something that should be obvious I, I that I like, should have known I already. I feel like if you can, I need to I, know if you can do that on iPhone because that is so basic. Yeah. 
because I, you I can, need to know it too. Like I can have I, I can have a buzz for Jared texting me, or I can set one if my kids are staying somewhere, the phone that they would call me from, so that I know like that's a kid thing. Yeah. So you know you got to get that one. Or okay, that's an email. I don't need to check right now. Right. So I've I've set my phone up so that. There are only several instances where in, in a professional setting or in a uh, situation with a friend, if I were out with them, that I would pull that phone out. But so, I've tried to do specific things to put it away. So you say keeping your phone on the table would be like saying, hey, I am talking to you, but I'm also monitoring the phone. It's so like keeping the, it down everybody is, who you would be contacting on that phone is sitting right there at that table with you. Okay. That's, I just wanted to clarify that that's, that's that, what you mean. Put it, okay. put it out of sight. It doesn't have to be completely out of mind, but out of respect to the people you're with. Focus on those people. Brad is on his phone right now. Yes. He's also producing a show. <laughs> yes. So I was just looking. Yeah, you can on iPhone. You can customize your notifications. There you go. Just Thank a you. little tip for the Apple users. Welcome to the Android life. How about you, Brad, for this question? Is it something you have a tough time putting aside? Only because my job is so dependent on what everything happens with my phone. And always got to be current. Yeah. So it, I feel like I'm Because on, Ryan Wiggins won't stop if I, yeah. if I were 1 a.m. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Good grief. You <laughs> won't leave me alone. Here's so a meme. what you doing? I was like, Ryan, are you taking a bubble bath again and calling me? <laughs> no. No. There's no bubbles. Hey, I was only gone for a few days. That's right. What There's I probably no water in the tub either, right? <laughs> yeah. It's very depressing. <laughs> um, it's all champagne. <laughs> there are bubbles in champagne, right? Oh, hell yeah. Tiny bubbles. <laughs> uh, if I were on my phone as much as I am now doing, but I wasn't doing this job, yeah, it would be a big problem. But I feel like there's part of my job that requires me to be on it. Leah? Our Gen Zer? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not representing myself really well here. Um, Yeah, I am on my phone a lot. Um, I'd say mostly... For, like, good reasons, but definitely a lot of just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. But So, Annie, I'm with you. I'm trying very hard to, at, at least with events, like church events especially, small groups, I'm actually trying to just leave it. you're doing communion and you're like, <laughs> yeah. checking What's your... this? Oh, hey. <laughs> out. The body of Christ? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this G.I. Joe meme is super funny. Check this out. <laughs> um, I'm trying to leave it in the car, not even with me, because if it's in my pocket, I'll still think about it. And I'm trying to get to the point where if I know I'm going to be somewhere where I don't need to know anything, like for church, for instance, my kids are with me. They're there. Yeah. So I don't have to – the emergency thing is really not even an excuse. So I'm trying to leave it aside. Uh, the, there is new research out of Grenada, which is in Spain. It says that our need for social contact could be the actual reason so many of us are glued to our devices, according to this research. The study published in the Journal of Psychothema is the first evidence of this theory. UGR scientists work with 86 people who were divided into two groups. Now, here were the, the first group was the social experimentation group. Each participant was told to send a message. And since this is international, they said WhatsApp. But I think that's basically like texting. They just get around fees internationally to do that. So send a text to your most active contacts explaining that you're going to be in a study in a virtual reality universe. The second group, with a control group, was instructed not to send a message to any of their contacts. Next, all participants were asked to switch off their notifications and leave their mobile phones face down while they did some other activity. It was in that moment that they're monitoring their brainwaves that the, the group that sent the text was 
anxious. Anxious, waiting to, what, what did yes. they say back? What's that? They, they, oh, what, what they were they responding? They're, they're yeah. thinking in their mind, they're thinking about the conversations yes. Yes. that they're having while they're doing the other tasks. Exactly. And the group that didn't send in those texts, much more calm. Now, on the back end of that, though, once they were done with the activity, I'm going to try to use their words here because it's a little weird. Um, we found that the group became more anxious. That was the early one. But once they got their phones back, that same group that had sent the text experienced a much higher level of emotional arousal, they said. And the other group, pretty flat. So what they concluded was... So the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as lows. That's exactly right. That's where I like to live. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I wanted to see if that was me. Because whenever I initiate a text, I feel obligated to wait for that person to respond because I feel like, well, I initiated, I need to respond back whenever they get back to me, regardless of when that is. The reverse is not always true. If somebody texts me, I'll get back to them as soon as I can. But do you feel like that obligation the same way as I do? That's interesting. Because So you feel the anxiousness when you send the text that you yes. have an obligation. But whenever somebody texts you, you don't worry about them being on the other side feeling anxious about it. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, I, I, I still get back to them as soon as I can. But I feel like I have to watch my phone if I'm the one that asked the question Man, or initiated it. For for me, it's 100% about the importance of the topic that I texted about. If it's a throwaway thing or a funny thing, whatever, just throw it out there and it's out there and they'll get to it when they get to it. If it's like I need an answer to this because it, it, it affects what I'm going to do next in my day or on the show or whatever, then I pay a little more attention to it. You? What's the question? Are you more likely to look at your phone longer when you initiate a text. Well, yeah, obviously. So you you feel obligated in the same way. Yeah, just like if I walked into your office to ask you a question, I wouldn't just leave and make <laughs> you come find me. <laughs> That's a good example. I, I, I would wait for a response. Um, but I don't know. Today's social norms, people just kind of like... But you could just walk up and ask I me a question. I have something really important to ask you, and I'm going to ask it to you right now. You come find me when you have an answer. But yeah. it better be fast. <laughs> you should walk into my office and go, man, Ryan, I have some great topics today. You're not going to believe 104, and then gone. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Um, the, the results of this study, though, and this is where I thought, I'm not sure if I agree with this, and this is where I want to know if you do. They said that from these findings, the team determined that our affiliation with mobile phones is linked to the way they enable us to interact with others rather than actually being addicted to the phone itself, that you're addicted to the social aspect of having the phone. Well, the idea of being addicted to the social aspect of having a phone is not a new thing. It's just a different mechanism to materialize social interaction that every human craves. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so fearful for this generation that is being raised with cell phones because they are they are spending. I mean, kids are getting phones at the regular before they're 10 years old. They are not learning how to socialize with one another. If you're the mean parent that doesn't give their kids phones to have access to all the time, then they sit there with all of their friends who are on their phones and they're left out. So then you have to ask yourself what to do about that because the socialization takes place that way. But I'm noticing this just in, in society as a whole, people walk around with headphones on and earbuds. I remember when I went to New York city and I saw people walking on the streets with headphones, it made so much more sense to me. This idea that you would want to be in this big city and you would be spending a lot of time walking, which is not the, not the way it happens in suburban life or rural life for sure. 
that you use that time to put headphones on and listen to a podcast or listen to music or whatever because you're going from point A to point B and there's so many people everywhere all of the time. You're creating personal space. You're creating personal space. But that becomes, you know, like the Starbucks cup in your hand is an icon. It's a status. The headphones on, it's like I don't need anybody else. And that's what society is telling us right now, that you don't need anybody else, that you yourself exactly the way you are is just perfectly fine the way you are. You don't need anyone else. And it is against everything that we were created to be. And so the idea that you need the so it's we have now determined that the thing that we always needed, we can access through our phone, but it is never going to be enough. Yeah. And the deep dive that these kids are making right now to try to fill these holes of social gratification. I mean, the Internet is endless. And this is a facsimile. This is a cheaper version of yeah. real yeah. human interaction. It's not real at all. Jim Carafano on that border crisis when we come back. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 